Welcome to this new episode of Good People Talk, the podcast of the Good People Fund. This is where social visionaries come to talk about their paths toward impact and how GPF support is advancing their grassroots organizations. Today, GPF Executive Director Naomi Eisenberger sits down with Jacob Zachman, the founding director of Gabriel Project Mumbai. The organization uses a holistic approach to improve lives in urban slums and rural villages in India. Jacob is a high-tech executive turned social entrepreneur with a fascinating personal and organizational story. For more information, visit goodpeoplefund.org and gabrielprojectmumbai.org. For now, here's Naomi and Jacob. All of our good people have incredibly inspiring stories about how their path led them to do what they're doing. Most of the time, it's something that nobody ever expected to have happen. Your story, I think, is particularly interesting. So if you would, please share how a businessman ended up becoming the founder of a humanitarian organization. Uh, first of all, Naomi, it's always great to speak with you. Talking to you is just a real pleasure. So thank you for having me on the podcast. The question about my history and how I started Gabriel Project Mumbai makes me always a little bit uncomfortable because the story here is really about the many people who work for GPM, the staff, the volunteers. In January 2011, I had a chance encounter in being in Mumbai, first time in India. Uh, India was never on my radar. I never thought about India but while I was in India, I saw things that really shocked me. Uh, I was only there for, for a week, but I would walk around the city of Mumbai and I would eventually be entering slum areas. Uh, I use the word slum, uh, not in a derogatory uh, way, but it's just a, a way just to show a low-resourced urban area. Uh, but I use slums because it just describes it the best. And there I saw really beautiful children, children just like mine, just like yours, living in extreme difficult conditions, scrounging around piles of garbage, uh, looking for food, children working in very dangerous jobs. I even once saw a child being lowered into a sewer, uh, acting as like a human sewer cleaner. These images, I, I really couldn't get out of my mind. When I went back home, I did a lot of research because I really didn't know about Indian culture, the issues of poverty. I think that, that I had an opportunity to go and, and help uh, this community. Uh, so six months later, I left my former career in high tech and started Gabriel Project Mumbai. I, I knew that I had to do something and I knew that there are many other people out there who want to help once they were aware, like I became aware, of the challenges faced by the communities in urban slums and uh, underserved rural villages. And that's exactly what happened. Many good-hearted people, including the good people at the Good People Fund, uh, came out in support of our work and continue to support impactful and meaningful, sustainable initiatives that create thriving communities. Uh, where once there was just a general feeling of, of despair. I'm very uh, fortunate 
to have gone into this work because I, I think that I'm making an, an impact and I, I know the staff and the organization is doing really great work. You started with the Eat to Learn program. So the Eat to Learn program was designed because before starting GPM, uh, I had many talks with other Indian NGOs and I was introduced to an incredible Jesuit priest giving classes for over a decade in the slums of Mumbai. Father Trevor uh, told me that the two major issues that he faced was that children were being pulled out of school because, from, by their parents because parents were faced with this terrible dilemma. Parents knew that their child needed an education, but they needed food first. So their children, even as young as five years old, were working in child labor just to earn a few cents a day that would be used to buy food for them to eat that day. That was an incredible thing that just to think about a parent having that kind of dilemma. Do I send my kids to school or do I send them to work so that they can eat? That started the whole eat to learn program. We offer good nutritious food to those most vulnerable uh, in the slums and villages so that they don't need to work and instead get an education, which is really the only way to break the cycle of poverty. Uh, and when we first started uh, with, with 500 children, uh, six months later, we saw that a 50% increase in attendance and a 50% increase in new enrollments into the classes Father Trevor was giving. The idea came from the NGOs and the community themselves, the idea of eat to learn. I had the grandiose idea of creating a food kitchen run by volunteers, but I quickly realized, though I was told how silly I was, um, that it wouldn't work on many levels. I also had the opportunity to consult with people who really knew the uh, development world. And so I quickly learned some good development ideas. And one was encouraging local leadership in the, in the slums that we're working in and also creating sustainable livelihood initiatives. This led to uh, us creating a women's empowerment collective that cooked for the children in a kitchen that we set up, again, with the help of the Good People Fund here. The women used the kitchen to cook for our 300 children that attend our school in the slums every day receiving uh, a, you know, a main good nutritious meal. And also the kitchen is used by the women to sell food like street food and lunch meals to the general public as a social business that affects the livelihood of dozens of women in the slums. Becoming involved in a program that's in a place like India is a real bonus because the cost of things is so much less Anywhere else, we would never be able to outfit a kitchen. I have that picture somewhere of the women in the kitchen and in their bright saris with a sign that said, thank you, good people fund. And, and they're feeding their own community. So that, that was the very first program. And from our perspective, Gabriel Project Mumbai really did morph into a much more robust and comprehensive program. Can you tell us a little bit about the other pieces of the GPM model? Running uh, Gabriel Project Mumbai is also a learning experience for me and for the organization. And, but something that I'm very uh, most proud of is that we're a grassroots organization. Uh, we have currently 47 staff members, including doctors and the 
women's collectives and uh, nurses and teachers and, and support staff. And only two, which includes me, who do not live in the slums or villages. This was our design from the beginning, encouraging and empowering local leadership. And we work with the community because we are the community. We make, I believe, thoughtful initiatives because these initiatives are not just ideas created in an office, but are the, are the lives of the staff and the people we work with. It's the community that decides solutions for themselves. And we're an organization that's giving a helping hand. We moved to a holistic approach to development, not just nutrition and uh, for the kids and education. You can have a nice school with good food, but unfortunately die without accessible healthcare. And this unfortunately happened to one of our children, a young boy called Shravan, who was the poster child of the work that we were doing. Uh, and one day, just because there is no accessible healthcare in the slums, or there wasn't until we started our clinic, he unfortunately passed away. You can't have education and nutrition without accessible healthcare. And good healthcare is, is also worthless without clean water and nutrition. Uh, and all of these are run or generated by sustainable livelihood programs. As a result, we developed what we consider the four pillars of community development, education, healthcare, nutrition, and livelihood. These are the most important elements of not only sustainable model of development, but how you see a community thrive. So this is what we created after seeing on the ground the work that we're doing. Wherever we go now, we have three centers uh, around India, uh, one in the slums and, and two centers north of Mumbai in the rural areas. We encourage these four pillars and we, we work within those four pillars and other aspects of, of good community development. We've been really fortunate to have come to this conclusion of this idea of the four pillars of community development. And uh, we've seen some, I, I believe, a lot of good, good success from that. That was a concept that you had no idea of when you started this. Exactly. When you look back at it, it makes perfect sense. Right. Someone told me once, and I think there has some merit to it, you're creating a system that's designed to fail. If all you're concentrating on is one yes. element. Community is not just one element. You don't just give great education and suddenly everything is, is cured, like everything is, is, is good in a, a community. So you need, you need to have a more holistic, like you said, a more robust uh, idea of community development. Your original model allowed for volunteers to come and basically spend three months in the project working. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, I don't know if you saw ever the logo of Gabriel Project Mumbai, but it's a bunch of circles that connect to each other. And I, I think <laughs> that each circle represents different groups. All of them are coming together for a common goal, and that is to go and uh, improve the lives of, of the most vulnerable communities in, in India. So with that, I, I saw a lot of value bringing people in to understand uh, the, uh, and be aware of what's going on, what are the challenges, the, the concepts of uh, global poverty, and what the implications are uh, when it comes to health, disease, all the aspects of, of global poverty. The, the volunteers that come basically devoted to education, and our volunteers are different aged people. We have older people and younger, older than 18, who would come in with, the, with different types of life experience. Uh, and to be able to go and give informal education 
uh, to support the education that's being received in our schools. But the informal education will open up the, uh, the eyes of the children to different uh, ideas uh, and different concepts, different different ways of learning. But more than that, personal connection between volunteers and children is very important. The children see a group of people from around the world who care about them. In the slums, not even people who live in Mumbai will go and visit these slums, would ever walk into the slum. You're alone. The message that they're getting is that no one really cares about you, not the government, not the people outside the slums. You're all alone. And here you have a group of people from wherever they might be coming in and saying, you know, we want to be with you. We want to go and teach you because you're important. I know that you have people on the ground and that's one of the very, I think, very important pieces of how Gabriel Project operates is that you have a very devoted, dedicated staff. And I'm sure that you are in touch with them multiple times, probably daily. Can you share with us a little bit about what you're hearing about what's happening there? They predict that there's going to be 700,000 people dying of COVID in the next 60 days. Those numbers are incredible. This new variant has gone through the communities. And in one of our supervisors who lives in a, a small village called Ashte, uh, where we have one of our centers, uh, he was saying every second uh, house in the village has someone with suffering critically with COVID-19. This for the first 13 months of the pandemic, the, the villages had almost no, no one infected with COVID-19. It was more in the in the in the cities, but now it's reversed, and this variant has gone is going through the villages in a very severe way. We initially d- decided to deal with two major issues caused by the pandemic and the lockdown, and that the, the two issues that we wanted to counter was information and fear. What was the coronavirus? Uh, talk about help with hygiene, social distancing. Part of our healthcare pillar to have hygiene programs, wash programs. And so we pivoted to that. The second thing that we did because of the lockdown more than the the pandemic was that people lost their jobs. Uh, I I said uh, community members live hand to to mouth on a regular day. There are no savings, no safety nets. And so when the pandemic happened, they lost their jobs. And so families were begging us for food. We were seeing starvation real starvation. And we, we believe as an organization in direct aid and indirect aid is very important. And so we, we've given out so, so far over 3,000 3, families are getting monthly emergency groceries. When it comes to education, it's even worse because for 13 months, the pandemic caused a lot of difficulty for children who lost their education. For one whole year, they don't have electronic uh, equipment to be able to, to do Zoom classes. They were just not in education at, anymore. And so we believe, we believe that an entire generation have lost their education. Since last two months, uh, when, once the pandemic had really increased in a very severe way, we have done an emergency and a very large COVID-19 relief work. We have lots of great partners, including the, the Good People Fund, who's given us uh, some support for that as well. But we're working with Israel to create a comprehensive COVID-19 emergency relief program 
for tens of thousands of people living in rural India, where, where we have two centers. We're doing also a lot of work with, uh, with outreach to the communities to educate and to uh, make aware the importance of vaccinations. And hopefully I can report to you, Naomi, in the next uh, week or two, our opening of our own vaccination center in a rural area that we work in. We've already got permission to set it up and we're doing construction on the site. But the biggest challenge we have now is being able to get the, vac- the vaccines and, and to have the program set up. Was there one child or an adult that you could call your poster child? I can tell you st- uh, one story. Her name is uh, Ranjana and she's one of the women who works in the Women's Cooking Collective. We call it Masala Mamas. This uh, Ranjana has two children who have just started college and they started with us. Uh, her son is now learning computer science, which is exactly what my son is, is learning as well. And her daughter is learning to be a pharmacist. Uh, their college is paid for, not directly by us, but from the money that she had earned from working as the Masala Mamas. And we have to understand that Ranjana and her husband are illiterate. Wow. First of all, for them to, of course, understand that education is important, for them to, to work hard and sacrifice like most parents do around the world for their children to value education, to send their kids to get an education without even really understanding what that means. But now they have a a, a child who's going to become a pharmacist and a child who's going to work in computer science from the slums. And I think that's an incredible example of what can happen in the work that we do. That is significant. What keeps you up about this work, particularly when you you know, when, when you're not able to be there? Well, before COVID, my big uh, thing to keep, that kept me up at night was money. Yeah. It still, it still is an issue. Uh, but during the pandemic, uh, which we have no control of, over, I am, as the director, uh, asking my staff to go out and to do the work, whether it is supporting health initiatives or hygiene or even handing out emergency groceries, they're going out and sending them into harm's way. Uh, six of our staff, I mentioned we had 47 staff, six of our staff have contracted COVID. I'll be honest, they probably got it by doing work for GPM. When I heard that there were, you know, one person had contacted COVID, contracted COVID, another person contracted COVID, and, and currently six staff members who are re- recovering from COVID, that was really hard. Uh, yeah. Not just for me, but also the, the local director, it's been an honor to be part of the growth of this small little program that, that decided it was important to feed children so that they would get the nutrition and then they would get an education at the same time. What do you see as the significance of our being part of Gabriel Project Mumbai? Naomi, I'm, I'm, I'm never shy in telling the praises of the Good People Fund and how it, it's impacted our work. It's much more than the funding. It's friendship and wisdom, and the Good People Fund has a very unique perspective on how to support grassroots organizations. I think the Good People Fund actually understands that you get what drives us, the people who, are, who have decided to work in this, these fields. I've had so many productive discussions with you. You've set us up, introduced us to other people who have helped us, your problem, problem solving with us. I think everyone who's 
being received uh, funding from you really appreciates the idea that they can call you up and say, I've got a problem. And you're not going to say, oh, that's a bad problem. You know, more funding for you. No, it's like, how can we ha- help you solve that problem in a very meaningful way? I thank you for sharing with all of our listeners the story of Gabriel Project Mumbai. I think it is uh, impactful little gem of an organization that that is doing very real work in a place where the needs are endless. And um, I thank you for taking the time and for your great work. Thank you, Naomi. It was lovely talking to you again, as usual.